Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to Talking Law, brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Today we are continuing our series in talking about effective contracting relationships. In episodes 40 and 41, we talked about the top tips in creating effective contracts. Those episodes were perhaps aimed mostly at organisations who deal with lots of contracts on a regular basis. But this episode is an episode that will be relevant to all organisations, whether they deal with many contracts or whether contracts are something that only come in from time to time. And here we're specifically looking at creative contracts, both from the position of client and from the position of the creative agency themselves. So this is for you if you ever deal with creative agencies like website design, website builders, graphic design, marketing organisations, or if indeed you are a creative agency yourself. You're listening to Talking Law, the podcast where business owners just like you discover how to avoid legal landmines and build value using smart legal tips. Join your host, Joanna Oki, as she cuts through the legal jargon and gives you clear and simple actionable legal strategies, which will get you optimal business results. Today, we are talking about what to watch out for in creative contracts, so a particular type of contracting situation. We often come across clients who need to engage the services of a creative agency to create something for them. In this episode, we're not picking on creative agencies. In fact, some of our most treasured and valued clients are creative agencies themselves. But this is just a topic that can allow us to get really practical about how any organisation, whether it's small or big, can apply some of the elements that we have been talking about in relation to effective contracts. Creative contracts are one of those areas that most organisations can relate to in some way, shape or form. And often when organisations are engaging in creative contracts or contracts with creative agencies, so that might be organisations where they are having designs created for them, websites created for them, content created for them, often in each of these events, time Timing is an issue and unfortunately it's not uncommon for parties to rush into work without properly thinking about the contracts that are relevant to this situation and it's often commonplace for work to commence on a project before terms are laid out. Now sometimes if we're dealing with really small elements of creative with creative agencies this may not be an issue but sometimes if we're dealing with larger items that relate to larger amounts that we're paying or indeed something that is important important for us to be able to use into the future, then it's really worthwhile for us to sit down and spend a little bit of time thinking about what it is that we're looking at that we want to achieve from this contract and what are the elements that are important from a legal perspective. Whilst it's always best to get things sorted from the start and the need for a clearly written agreement goes without saying, I thought that I'd make it easy for you so that you could get an idea of a few things to be aware of in creative contracts to arm you with the right information for when the need arises. Let's tackle one of the biggest areas first, intellectual property. You might assume that because you're paying for the work that is being created for you, that you are getting the copyright in the work. But that assumption is often incorrect. 
If there is no mention in the contract of who owns the copyright and other intellectual property in the work being produced for you, then it is likely that the creative agency will be taken as owning the underlying rights, whilst your business will simply just hold a license to the use of the works. Don't assume that because you've commissioned someone to create a one-off advertisement that gives that that then gives you worldwide rights in the whole copyright. You might actually just be getting a license to use the works for a very specific purpose purpose and a very specific region. And the agreement may even specify that the same license can be given to other people. So if you want to ensure that you can use it for whatever you want to use it for in the future without any risk, further royalties might be charged or the risk that it might be used for someone else, then you need to have this discussion about copyright and intellectual properties ownership right at the beginning. So the basic premise is that the creator of the work is the first owner of the copyright, but everything is negotiable and subject to agreement. So make sure you check the fine print and know exactly what you're getting. The IP can be exclusive. So no one but the licensee, in this case, you can use the work or it can be non-exclusive so that the same right can be licensed to others, meaning that others can use the same work. The license can be worldwide or it can be limited to a geographical area. It can be revocable, which means that the copyright owner can revoke it, or it can be irrevocable, which means that the copyright owner can't revoke it. You need to work out whether or not you're getting a license, and if so, what the terms of that license is, or whether or not you're getting a full ownership to the intellectual property rights. And on the flip side, if you're a creative agency, this is also an important thing for you to think about. If you are basing some of the work that you're providing for your customers and clients on base work that you also provide to others, then you need to be really careful in agreeing to any IP clauses where the customer owns all of the intellectual property rights. So you need to make sure you have carved out the areas that you might require to use for other customers. And sometimes we call this background intellectual property right. So if you have background IP, you want to ensure that you have clauses that ensure that you retain the ownership to that background IP if you are indeed using it with other customers. Now, once again, on both sides of the transaction, you need to be clear about when intellectual property rights transfer. For example, many agreements will make transfer of the IP conditional on final payment. And of course, if you are the creative agency, then you'll want to ensure that that's the case for you, that you are paid before the IP transfers. From a customer perspective, if there might be some delay in payment for some reason, say for example, it's a long project, you might want to ensure that progressive parts of the IP transfer over to you progressively or that you get all IP at the point that it's created. The agreement should also spell out whether or not the creative agency has the right to display the work in their portfolio. So if you're the creative agency, you need to check exactly what you can use the work on. And if you are the customer, you need to potentially think about whether or not you're happy for your creative agency to use this work in their portfolio. If there's a restriction to a very specific use for the work, then you'd want to get that modified to be a more general use. For example, to give you the ability after you've paid for the work to ask for someone else to modify it if you're the customer. And on the flip side, if you're the supplier, if you're the creative agency, you might want to ensure that you have a specific right. If the IP is completely passing over to your customer, a specific right to use this in your portfolio. Another consideration is whether or not the creative agency can use the drafts that they have created 
considered when creating your work in other people's work. So if you're the customer and you're paying for an agency for work in developing concepts and drafts, you might think that it's important that you own the copyright to these items. And on the flip side, if you're the creative agency, it might be important for you to carve out any of this work in relation to drafts and concepts to ensure that you can use them with other customers where your client hasn't taken up particular elements of your concepts or your drafts. Next, we need to think about this tricky area of moral rights. The creators who are individuals, so the individual creators of all copyrighted works have moral rights in their work, which can't be given away by a license or sold. The moral rights are the right to be attributed as the creator of the work or to take action if your work is falsely attributed as being the work of someone else and to take action if your work is treated in a way that prejudices your reputation. The thing to bear in mind in this area is that unless the creator consents to these acts, there might be infringement. So it's not uncommon for an agreement to include a waiver of moral rights by the creator. Now, this is really important in the chain of title. If you are having something created by a creative agency that later on you might then need to sell or pass on or transfer to someone else. If you don't have the right clauses that show that there have been moral rights waivers, you might have an issue when you seek to sell this intellectual property later on. Or if you sell the business and this intellectual property is a valuable part of that business. On the flip side, if you run a creative agency, then it's also extremely important for you to think about this area. Because if you are signing contracts with your customers where you are indemnifying them against any actions that might be taken by the people who hold the moral rights, you, i.e. the staff within your office, you need to make sure that you have the right contracts with your staff to back up these rights and these waivers. So that means that in your employment contracts and in your contracting relationships with your contractors and your employees, you need to not only have the right intellectual property assignment and transfer clauses from these people, these individuals who are creating the work, but also that you have a waiver of moral rights from them in these contracts. And then finally in this area, if intellectual property is to pass over to the client, each party needs to think about when that will happen and whether the IP will include background IP, as I spoke about before. If the creative agency continues to hold rights in some of the background IP, both parties need to take time to understand what implications this might have on how each of them can use the materials into the future and any restrictions this might have in relation to future use. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll look at the approval process for creative contacts and indemnity and confidentiality clauses. And that's next. I'm Joanna Oki, and you're listening to Talking Law by Aspect Legal. Looking for a top quality legal team to assist you in your organisation? Aspect Legal is an innovative commercial legal practice that specialises in providing fast and professional services for their clients. If you'd like to chat about how we might be able to assist you, simply head over to our website at Aspect 
legal.com.au to book in a time for a free discussion with one of our lawyers. While you were there, you might also like to check out our innovative product, Legal on Tap. Our SME version of this product provides a business with access to a team of lawyers to answer questions as they come up in the business. And our large business version also provides this access to our team of lawyers to ask questions, but it also provides a wide range of online-based training in contract law for non-lawyers. Both of these products are available for a ridiculously low monthly price. If you're interested, simply head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au and check out our legal on-tap pages or head over to our contact page and submit a form to let us know that you would like more information. a professional involved in business sales and acquisitions activity, for example, if you're a broker or an accountant or a business consultant, or if you're a business owner looking to expand by acquisition or you're building to sell your business in the future, check out Talking Law's sister podcast, The Deal Room. Together with Talking Law, these are now two of the top legal podcasts in Australia. The Deal Room podcast contains information, interviews, and tips and tricks relating to the world of business sales and acquisitions. We love this area area of law and thought it was high time we took some of our specialist knowledge and shared it in a commercial context rather than just talking about legal stuff on its own. We release new episodes every Tuesday. You can listen to our episodes on www.thedealroompodcast.com or you can subscribe to The Deal Room Podcast on iTunes to be the first to know when a new episode is out. Just type in the search panel in iTunes, The Deal Room Podcast. Welcome back. Earlier, we talked about the intellectual property rights in relation to your creative contracts and the important considerations to bear in mind in dealing with this area. Let's keep the conversation going and run through all the other areas that you should be thinking about from both sides in creative contracts. Right then, so that was an overview of intellectual property in relation to creative contracts. Let's now move to the next area, which is the approval process. For both parties, whether you are the customer or the creative agency, it's important to ensure that you're very clear in the contract and the scoping documents about what it is that the creative agency is providing and how to measure the quality of the final product. So from a creative agency's point of view, this is critical to ensure that you don't end up in the situation where customers have had a different view to you as to what performance under the contract looks like, what the quality or how to measure the quality of the final product. Because sometimes in creative services, the outcome is subjective. So what we really need to do is make sure we put in place ways to reduce the subjectivity and increase the objectivity so that each party can measure at the end whether or not the goods or services have been provided in accordance with the requirement under the contract and therefore whether or not the customer has a payment obligation. You also need to think about how much control the customer will be given over the approval process, both from a customer and a creative agency perspective. So from a customer perspective, you might want to ensure that there's a clear process in place for approving the work and 
that it's clear whether you're or not you have to make payment for making changes to the work if you don't like the work. And from a creative agency point of view, it's important that you understand where and from a creative agency point of view, it's important that you are very clear on what authorization and acceptance looks like so that when you get that authorization and acceptance, then it's very clear from that point onwards and your customers don't have anything that they can rely on to then not pay if they change their mind into the future. These are all issues that if sorted out at the beginning can potentially save you a lot of headaches later on. And the next area that we are going to look at here, the third area, are indemnities. Here we're looking at whether or not the creative agency provides an indemnity for breaching anyone's intellectual property rights. An indemnity is used to protect against third-party claims for loss or damage caused to a third party. So, for example, if you're a customer and you have had someone create a design or a website for you and then someone else sues you on the basis of that work that's been created for you by the creative agency, do you have the right to then go and seek recourse from the creative agency? And on the flip side, if you're a creative agency and you have employees or contractors working for you and you later on find that work they have sourced has been copied, what rights do you have against them? A lot of these rights will be held in the indemnity clauses. And it's really important that in your position, both as customer and as creative agency, you have your own rigorous internal processes for ensuring that your that the work doesn't infringe anyone's IP rights and that you are each protected if something happens that reflects some sort of breach of someone else's intellectual property rights. And fourthly, we get on to confidentiality. So you should be thinking about whether or not there are tight confidentiality clauses. You don't want your information in the hands of your competitors. So getting wording right in these clauses is crucial. And finally, let's run through a snapshot of all other areas that you should be thinking about from both sides in creative contracts. This includes, for example, number one, a clear outline of the key responsibilities and deadlines. Number two, remedies for a failure of the creative agency to deliver on any of its promises. And if you're the creative agency, you need to make sure that those remedies are appropriate. Are you happy to sign up to those remedies? Number three, think about how variations will be managed. Number four, think about who will be responsible for managing the contract on both sides, on the sides of the client and on the sides of the supplier. Number five, can the creative agency subcontract out the work? From a customer perspective, sometimes you'll want to ensure that you know exactly who is working on your projects. So in these instances, you might want to ensure that you have a clause that restricts the agency from subcontracting out the work. Number six, is the price clearly set out? And this is important for both parties. Are there triggers for payment obligations under the contract? From a customer perspective, this is important to ensure that you won't be required to make a payment if you don't receive what you had intended. And from a supplier perspective, the creative agency perspective, it's important that you're clear about these payment obligations so that you know at which point your clients are obligated to pay for each milestone as it occurs. And finally, number seven here, what is the term of the contract? If it's an extended term, you want to ensure that you have appropriate rights of termination built into the contract in case 
problems arise. So that's it for today's more practical review of dealing with a particular type of contract. And in this episode, we're dealing specifically with creative contracts, both from a customer and from a creative agency perspective. If you found today's podcast interesting, you might want to pop over to our website at talkinglaw.com. There you can get a free transcript of this podcast episode, which really covered some tricky concepts. So if you're dealing in any way with creative agency contracts, whether you're a creative agency yourself or whether or not you are a customer dealing with a creative agency, it might be worth your while to go and download the transcript so you can work through each of the areas that I've spoken about today in more detail. There you'll also be able to get a download for a five-minute contracting check list, which is a general checklist that we have as a cheat sheet that can assist in your general contract drafting. Well, I hope you enjoyed what you heard today. If you need any help at all with any of the areas we covered today, pop over to our website at talkinglaw.com.au or our website at aspectlegal.com.au and there you can find details of how to contact our lawyers at Aspect Legal. You can actually set yourself up a free 15-minute appointment if you want to speak with any of our lawyers about any of the topics that we have covered today. If you are a creative agency and need to make sure you have the right templates and approach in place or on the flip side, if you deal with creative agencies and you need to make sure you have the right terms in place for contracts in which you're dealing with them. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening in. I look forward to seeing you next time.